Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. My name is Nader and I want to share with you a word of my testimony. Jesus also said and encouraged us that we are to confess him before men and in so doing he will confess us before his Father in heaven. I want to also confess him before you today. I want to share with you how I came to learn of the true identity of Christ being the only begotten of the Father and how that has impacted my life and that how, that, how that has impacted my search and my study of the scriptures. It was a number of years ago that a friend of mine gave me a book about the Father and his love for us in giving us his only begotten Son. That book brought to my attention things that I had not clearly understood to that length and to that depth. I remember I was very fascinated when I finished reading the book. I was actually overcome with emotion. At the end of reading, I found that I was in tears. I was weeping because I had come to understand the love of God in such a way that I had never conceived before. As a matter of fact, I actually got on my knees and I prayed. And I remember clearly what I said when I prayed. I prayed and said, Lord, please forgive me. I never knew that it costs so much. You see, I had an understanding of Christ being the only begotten Son of God and immediately that magnified in my mind the sacrifice that the Father made in giving me His only begotten Son. You see, the Bible says in John 17, 3 that this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Knowing the Father and the Son not just knowing about them, but knowing them personally, having a living, vibrant relationship with them is what eternal life was all about. And I was beginning now to learn and understand more about them. And my relationship with them was being enhanced as a result of my understanding. My appreciation for the love of God was growing more and more as I understood the deeper aspects of that wonderful and living relationship between the Father and the Son. It was really life-changing. I was very excited and it caused me to desire to dig deeper, to want to study these things more. I remember that's all I could think of. Going to sleep and waking up, that's all I could think of. I could think of nothing else. I'll say, wow, God loved me. He gave me His Son. It was real. It was very, very touching for me. And as I began to study, as I began to share, I encountered some friends who began to tell me that things were not exactly as I was learning. This was rather discouraging at first. And as I heard more and more comments like that, I was beginning to wonder, was what I had learned all a mistake? Was it all wrong? This beautiful, sweet taste that I had gained of the love of God and how it had changed me, was that all a falsehood? And then I was reminded by a very special promise in the scriptures in 1 John, where it says that we have no need of any man to teach us. But the anointing, or the Holy Spirit, that anointing which is in us, will teach us and guide us into the truth. I was very comforted by that fact. You see, the Bible evidence for me was overwhelmingly clear. The identity of the Father and the Son was beyond question in the Scriptures. It was beyond doubt. Reading the Bible only confirmed more and more the truths that I had found. But there were some questions that were raised. And these questions caused me to want to study a little more. And my study took me 
to the founders of the Adventist Church, to the, the pioneers of the Adventist Church. I thought, well, what do they have to say about this topic, if any? Well, to my surprise and amazement, I found that they overwhelmingly had much to say about the truth of Christ being the only begotten Son of God and the reality that that represents for us today. You see, they also preach the gospel, which has to do with eternal life in knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, as the scripture said. Well, I came across a lot of evidence and I decided that I would collate that evidence and put it together so that I could look at it later or even share it with others should they have the same questions that I had. That collection of evidence that I found is in this little booklet called The Living Voice of the Lord's Witnesses. This little booklet is a collection of all the quotes and statements from the pioneers dealing with this wonderful topic. It was a real comfort and joy to me to see that these men also believed and told the truth that I had come to find. It was really, really encouraging. And I pray that this will be an encouragement to someone if they also have these questions and look at this particular topic. But something very, very interesting happened a number of years later. I remember uh, it was a couple of years ago, actually, that I found myself in the General Conference session in Atlanta. My sister was a delegate and uh, we happened to meet there. And I remember clearly the last Sabbath in that session. In that last Sabbath, we were sitting down on the floor level, surrounded by all the people that filled the different areas of the dome. The dome was packed. There were nearly 70,000 people in the audience. And I remember it was a very special Sabbath because it was the very first sermon that the new president, Elder Ted Wilson, was going to preach. You know, I remember hearing that sermon and it was very inspiring and very powerful. But some things I heard in that sermon were especially dear to me because they encouraged me and they comforted me that I was on the right path. I want to share with you a snippet of some of the things that he said that really inspired me that the foundations that were laid by these men are something that we must hold dearly to. Here's a little bit of what he said about that. The historic biblical beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church will not be moved. The, biblic the biblical foundation will stand secure to the end of time. Listen to what we are told in Selected Messages, Book 1, pages 207 to 208. What influence is it that would lead men at this stage of our history to work in an underhand, powerful way to tear down the faith, the foundation of our faith, the foundation that was laid at the beginning of our work by prayerful study of the Word and by revelation. We, continuing to quote, we are God's commandment-keeping people. Every phase of heresy has been brought to bear upon us to becloud our minds regarding the teaching of the Word, especially concerning the ministration of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary and the message of heaven for these last days as given by the angels of the 14th chapter of Revelation. Messages, and I'm still quoting, messages of every order and kind have been urged upon Seventh-day Adventists to take the place of the truth which point by point 
has been sought out by prayerful study and testified to by the miracle working power of the Lord. But the way marks which have made us what we are are to be preserved. And they will be preserved as God has signified through his word and the testimony of his spirit. He calls upon us to hold firmly with the grip of faith to the fundamental uh, principles that are based upon unquestionable authority. And I end quote. Isn't that wonderful? These historic beliefs of the Adventist Church are truth. And we are to hold on to these firmly with the grip of faith. You know, I was really encouraged and comforted as I heard these words. I was comforted to know that I was indeed on the right path. You know, not only was I encouraged by these words, but I remember that all the people in the audience gave a hearty amen a number of times as Elder Wilson preached some of the most, and shared some of the most wonderful words that many people had heard for quite a while. You know, my search did not stop there. It took me a little further. I was curious about a particular founder of the Adventist Church. That is, of course, Ellen White. Being a Seventh-day Adventist means that I take very seriously what Ellen White has to say. And so my search led me to see what she had to say about this topic. I had heard from a number of people that Ellen White did not endorse the truth about the father and the son relationship. They actually said that she did not support the fact that Christ was indeed the only begotten Son of God. Well, I was eager to find out for myself. I started studying the spirit of prophecy. And over the time and over the years, I again compiled a number of statements and quotations that helped me see exactly what she had to say for herself. I went through the writings of Mrs. White through her entire writing career, from the very beginning to the very end. And I made a little collection in this little booklet called The Godhead in Black and White. This was the result of my search through the entire writing career of the Spirit of Prophecy. And I was comforted and encouraged immensely to find that she gave a testimony that harmonized with the pioneers and more importantly with the Bible. That was something that was very very important to me and I remember clearly on that Sabbath in the general conference session when Elder Wilson shared the importance of the spirit of prophecy for us each and every one as Adventists. Listen to these words, and I pray that they will find a resounding chord in your heart as well. Go forward, not backward. Accept the spirit of prophecy as one of the greatest gifts given to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, not just for the past, but even more importantly for the future. While the Bible is paramount in our estimation as the ultimate authority and final arbiter of truth, the spirit of prophecy provides clear, inspired, counsel to aid our application of Bible truth. It is a heaven-sent guide to instruct the church in how to carry out its mission. It is a reliable theological expositor of the scriptures. The spirit of prophecy is to be read, believed, applied, and promoted. It is, it is not to be used <clears throat> as a club to beat people over the head. <clears throat> But it is to be regarded and employed as a marvelous blessing to direct God's church in the last days of Earth's history. 
Let me repeat a conviction of mine, a personal conviction. There is nothing antiquated or archaic about the spirit of prophecy. It is for today and until Christ returns. As God's faithful remnant, may we never make of none effect the precious light given us in the writings of Ellen G. White. Amen. We are to go forward in faith, believing the words of inspiration found in the spirit of prophecy. There was one final thing that I had to settle in my mind. Many people were raising questions as I discussed and as I shared with them the things that I had found. They would raise questions regarding a particular group of quotes from the spirit of prophecy. That particular group of quotes is found in the book Evangelism. Many times I would encounter these statements in the book Evangelism and people would say, well, what about this? What about that? And they would usually use statements from that book. As a matter of fact, one brother actually told me that the statements in the book Evangelism dealing with the topic of the Godhead were the definitive evidence that Christ was not truly the only begotten Son of God to him. Well, that really, really put a big question in my, mind, in my mind. What was the answer? I was tired of people telling me Mrs. White meant this or Mrs. White meant that. I got quite tired of that. I wanted to know what Mrs. White said for herself. And so I decided to search and see, is it possible to harmonize what she says in those statements in the book Evangelism with everything else that I had found? And the result of my search satisfied me and answered my questions. I actually put it together in this little booklet called Putting the Pieces Together. In this, I showed how I could understand harmoniously the entire writings, including some of these statements that people constantly refer to, to reject the truth of the Father and the Son. And so that resolved the last and final puzzling question in my mind. The Father and the Son were a living, true reality. The relationship between them is the foundation for what eternal life is all about. That Christ is, is the Son of the living God is the cornerstone of our faith. It is the pillar. This language is factual. It's not allegorical. It's not symbolical in any way, shape, or form. And I was so encouraged when I heard Elder Wilson in the same sermon emphasize the importance of taking the Bible as it reads and not to spiritualize it or allegorize it. Here is what he said. But that which the Lord in his mercy has given to us in clear language to be taken as fact simply because he said so must not be shrouded in skepticism. Don't go backwards to misinterpret the first 11 chapters of Genesis or other areas of scripture as allegorical or merely symbolic. It is indeed a dangerous thing to allegorize that which the scripture intends for us to take literally and as fact. It's a grave danger and I seriously take these words to heart. How about you? Will you accept the truth of the sonship of Christ or will you allegorize that and spiritualize it away? I pray and I trust that you will make this matter one of study and of prayer. And I pray that uh, these resources might help you in your search. If maybe you have questions like I had, 
Maybe you will find some answers in some of the pages in these resources. And I encourage you to give a testimony of what you find and to confess Christ before others. Eternal life is to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. I have come to learn a deeper understanding of that through my study. And I was so encouraged that the things that I found were challenged by others which forced me and led me to study for myself. Now I am so thankful that I have come to know the true and living Son of God, the only begotten, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. I pray that this study will encourage you to come to know Him as I have come to know Him as well. And may God bless you exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or ever think. If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.